This is the How to Become a Career Coach podcast, the largest podcast for up and coming career coaches in the world, and is dedicated to helping people that are in the early stages of becoming a career coach. I'm your host, Philip Mianko, and in this show, we bring practical advice based on real experiences. And we share actual stories of people that are current career coaches. So let's get started. Today, we get a chat with Jeff Ton. You'll hear the two central missions that Jeff has with all of his work, his dedication to consistently working on his mission. In addition, you'll also hear how Jeff transitioned into full-time coaching during COVID at 62 years old. And finally, we get to talk about how Jeff has written three books while working a full-time job. Now, Jeff has spent 40 years as an IT professional in a wide variety of industries and roles. And about 10 years of that, 40 was spent as a chief information officer for a couple of organizations in central Indiana. And he later moved and became a vendor for a tech company in Indianapolis and spent five years in the tech industry. Long story short, he's had a lot, a lot of great experiences within that industry. But then in March 2020, we all know that day, he left that role to go out on his own and start his own coaching business. So when I heard that, I asked him what prompted him to go out on his own. Well, it's, it's really one that happened over time. I, I wouldn't say it was any one thing, but it really started probably 10 or 12 years ago with my wanting to blog. I felt these things that I wanted to write and put out there for people to read. I've always been focused, even when I was in IT, my focus was on the people and leading them, coaching them, managing them to reach their highest potential. So I really started doing that. And to me, it wasn't really a side gig. It was all kind of part of who I was and what I was doing because I really felt passionate about helping people grow. And the other thing that happened around that same time was I was in transition myself for a good chunk of time back around 2008, 2009. And I was stunned at the number of people who would drop everything to help, have a cup of coffee, share insights. And I swore at that time that I would, whenever anybody asked, my answer was yes. I would grab a cup of coffee and we'd talk and I do what I can to help. So that's been something that's been in my blood, at least for the last 10 or 12 years. But the decision that happened earlier this year was really a combination of kind of a perfect storm. I mean, uh, it's something that I've wanted to do full time, the speaking, the writing and the coaching. And the pandemic kind of gave a good opportunity to do that, as ironic as that sounds, to go off and really focus on that. I wrote my first book back in 2018, and I had started a, a book in here in 2020 to write. And doing this full-time enabled me to focus on that writing a little bit more, as well mm -hmm. as build out my coaching business. It very much seems like this is something that you mentioned we've been working on for a long time. And sorry, and I said we, sometimes I bring myself in your story and then sometimes I'm there. <laughs> That's so, all right, man. That's all right. <laughs> so more so is that it seems like there's something you've been building for a long time. And I yeah. 
And something I was chatting with you about before we hit the record button today is that what I find for so many people, especially when starting their coaching business, is that it can be really difficult of knowing when to start or how to start or like when even is the best time to start. And even like we were talking about before, how do we begin to even focus on who do we want to help? Yeah, because yeah. I think you're 100% right. And especially in a coaching space is we see so many people who are willing to help, but yeah. often it comes down to those specifics. Can you bring us a little bit more in and yeah. um, understand so, about that transition, but starting even with IT professionals too? Well, and, and this really started, I was asked to speak to a group last year. I want to say it was August last year, something like that. It's a group of up and coming HR professionals, and they wanted me to to speak to them about IT, you know, the relationship between HR and IT. So I actually wrote this presentation and it was uh, what your IT director wishes you knew about IT. And it was kind of snarky, a little, yeah, it was a little snarky. It was a little tongue in cheek, um, you know, kind of thing to start with. But as I was developing the content for this talk, I ended up talking more about the IT person of the future. What skills are they going to need? Because I was talking to HR pros who were going to have to be recruiting these these IT professionals of the future. And so I started talking about they need to have deeper business acumen. The days of just jumping from one vertical to another, in my opinion, are, are running running out on the IT pro. Uh, they need deeper collaboration and more communication, design thinking, systems thinking, all these things that we used to call soft skills that mm -hmm. I believe now are essential skills. Mm -hmm. And I had this epiphany moment while I was developing this content in that uh, what I'm really trying to do is change the face of IT. And all of a sudden, that was my niche market for coaching was I want to change the face of IT. And it goes with all those soft skills. But the other thing that I'm really, really passionate about and spend a lot of time on is diversity in IT, whether it's gender diversity, racial diversity. We have too long when you look at IT, stereotypically, it, it's white guys. Mm -hmm. We're desperate in the IT world for resources most of the time. The unemployment in IT is still pretty low, although it's been impacted by COVID. And we're missing out on a huge chunk of the population because, you know, you look across the board and 23% of the people in IT are female, even though 51% of the population is female. Mm -hmm. And six or seven, maybe 8% of the population are blacks and 7% are Latinx. And that doesn't jive with the percentage of the population. So we're missing out on this talent that we could bring in there that not only would help fill these roles that we need filled, but would expand our thinking because the problems we're trying to solve with technology today require diversity of thought. They're going to require uh, innovation. And the, one of the ways that you foster innovation is to have different opinions about how to do things. And so that really ended up calling the, the person who had hired me to do that, to do that speaking gig. And I just said, hey, Andrea, I want to thank you because, man, you found my mission. Uh, by writing this, I found my mission. I want to change the face of IT. And, and it was just kind of like, you know, the light came down from the heavens, you know, the, <laughs> all those things. Uh, and that's really what I've been focusing on ever since. And that's uh, why I launched the, the coaching business, decided that I wanted to do this full time. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's a interesting but very 
realistic way of how people come at their, that finding their niches, right? Yes. It's, it's often like we have some ideas, but until we actually put those things into practice, shout out to Andrea, um, yes. put those <laughs> things into, into practice, but more so really start talking to that target market or trying to, to figure these things out. Do we realize that that's when those things come into play? And I think yeah. so many times when I'm talking to new coaches or more so our listeners here, they go, Hey, I just want to go help this big group over here. I really want to go help this group over here. Or I really want to help people who are coming out of high school or new grads mm -hmm. or women or men that are in this age group, this age group. And that's great. But the closer and closer, the more specific we get the target market, it helps speak more towards the people you're looking to help. But also you can shed the light on your experience too. And I guess I'm curious for you for two questions. This is just more of my curiosity. What do you find is different from the IT market? Meaning, are they coming to you with different problems or do they perceive their problems differently? And two, what has defining your, like that IT market and wanting to make the new face of it, what's that done for you and your business? Oh, two big both, questions there. Both, yeah, great questions. I'd say the first is what are some of the typical things that I run into? And I think I'd say the, the biggest piece where... I've got several folks that I'm working with right now is they're at this pivot point in their career. What happens in IT and, and I imagine in any real technical profession is you can continue on the technical path and you can be, you can be a software developer, you can do data analysts, you know, data scientists, you can do all these different very, very technical roles or you can go into management right? Going to management and leadership. Mm -hmm. Well, and that is a big jump. It's a jump that I took myself uh, 20 years ago uh, when I made that decision. I literally got drug kicking and screaming into management. It was something I did not want to do. And two really good friends of mine kept telling me, no, you should do this. You'd be good at it. You're a people person. You've got to do this. And it's like, nope, I just want to write code. <laughs> I just want to write code. Uh, and finally, I did it. But anyway, it's helping people identify which path they want to go down and probably more importantly, when do they want to make the shift? Mm. Because it's not everybody's cut out for management and leadership. Um, mm. and, and this is part of the problem that we've had for, for years is you have someone that's very, very good technically and you promote them. And finally they're in a leadership role and they have no idea what to do uh, because they were good at writing code or they were good at uh, configuring a network, whatever it is. And now all of a sudden they're leading people of all things. And so trying to work with an individual to understand First of all, is this for them? Is this something that they would enjoy doing? And one of the things that I talk with them about, Philip, is you get, especially like if you're a coder, which is the side of technology that I grew up on, I, I wrote software, you get this real rush from talking to somebody who has a problem and you solve it with code. And boom, you write the code and you hand it to them. It's, so it's, it's like this very quick cycle of gratification of job well done. Well, you know, as well as I do, when you move into management and leadership, that cycle might be years. Uh-huh. 
right before you see the impact of someone growing and changing. And not as clear too. Yes. And not as clear. And so you have to be ready for that ambiguity of, you know, are you doing a good job? Cause you don't get that feedback loop you're so used to. So I'd say predominantly when I think about the people that I'm working with right now, that they're all at that pivot point. A couple of them are already in management, but are wanting to, uh, uh, rise in management to executive management. So we're talking a lot about what does it mean to be an executive, executive presence, and how do you bring that to the workplace? So lots of different aspects, but I'd say that's the the primary one. And then I'm blanking on your second question. That's okay. So, because uh, I love to, to dive in deep there. Okay. The second okay. part of the question, or at least the separate question was defining the IT target market specifically for you. What has that done for yourself? Maybe you're coaching, you're speaking, and you're writing too, and and your business. That again is a great question because once I had that market, it really focused me on what I needed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I was shying away from being the IT guy. I'd been the IT guy my whole career, and I was seeing myself, I want to teach leadership very, very broad, right? And while if you look at some of my writings, they are general, they apply to anybody in a leadership role. But what deciding on this mission did was focus, really fine tune my message, fine tune my target market and leverage a 40 year career in IT to grow this business. And I don't know how long I'll be doing it. I'm sitting here right now today, 62 years old. I'd love to do it another 10 years. You know, people don't think I'm old and washed up by then. I had these different ideas of what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. And sometimes even who I was coming to that moment of, I want to change the face of IT. It takes all that other stuff off right? All that noise and you can focus on, you can get rid of the noise and focus on the signal. I say all that, Philip, and then I, then I know we're going to talk about my, uh, my latest book. It's Amplify Your Job Search and it's not targeted at the IT professional. <laughs> it's targeted at any professional who is in a job search, a job transition, and we can get into that story in a minute. But everything else that I'm doing is focused on that IT pro and helping him or her grow in their career and make that pivot into management and leadership. I think that is incredibly valuable for our listeners, not only from just hearing your story, but you know, you mentioned how it kind of takes everything off the table and it yeah. really prioritizes this idea of this is the thing that I'm doing. And if it doesn't serve in other parts, this is what we're moving more towards. Yeah. And I yeah. think it's interesting because as you're talking about how, you know, the mission is around changing the face of IT, I think in many ways, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, it feels like you're doing that yourself or you've done that yourself. And I know probably our listeners, I knew people in the IT department and they were always very nice, but I think you've very much said it, right? They were always, I have a lot of people skills. Yes. I'm not as great on the technical skills. So we didn't always, they weren't my didn't best always friend. Fit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because for many people in this space, specifically when they are doing and coming out and, and creating a new coaching business, I think starting from your strengths and starting from your experiences mm-hmm. and especially from this mission that you have endeavored and put your flag into and we're going ahead. I think it's such a great spot. It comes from strengths, but it's something that 
many people don't always expect it to come from. Meaning that it's like you mentioned, we have a lot of IT professionals who just get up, go up, 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 and they haven't developed those people skills or those managing or leadership skills as much. And I think for that, but for any profession, that is one of the critical needs that we are going to have now, but so much more moving forward too. But one other piece, and I switch gears over more so to your book, but before we do, you just mentioned, and I don't always like to bring this up. So feel free to bypass it if you want to, but you just mentioned you were 62 years old and I don't uh-huh. ever like to bring up people's age yeah. only because yeah. I don't think it's as, as relevant as much because you can start at any time. Right. But I know for a lot of our listeners, they might be around that age. They might be oh, yeah. more, they might be less, but can you talk to us a little bit about any of the fears that came up at like <laughs> being at that, at that time in your life and going, all right, I'm going to go do this thing on my own. And how did you overcome those? Um, You know, that's a a great point because it's probably a complex answer. A part of it is I've been thinking for the last several years of what's my legacy. To me, I was going to work forever, right? Retirement was always way down the road. And then I started having friends that were retiring. And it's amazing (laughs) how how irritating it gets when your buddy calls up and says, hey, uh, I'm going out to the 500 for practice today. Do you want to go? And it's like, Dude, I got to work. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> the, the, the 500 is the Indy 500. The Indy 500, yeah. The, the, yeah, which is, Sorry. I'm from Indianapolis. It, it is all we really talk about. Uh, but <laughs> so part of it was this thinking of what's my legacy? What do I want my career to mean when I am ready to hang it up? But you mentioned the fear. And I don't know, this is the third time I've started my own business. I started them, I run them for a while, lots of several different reasons as to why I end up going back and getting a real job, as my wife and I joke about it. Uh, this one feels different. I'm working with people and I can see I can see immediate impact on some of the people that I talk with and, and speak with. So I feel like I am where I need to be. Mm-hmm. The fear of, hey, I've launched this new business. I've launched it in the global pandemic. We were talking a little bit before we went on the air about speaking and keynote speaking, and that business went zero in March and April and is starting to pick back up now, but mostly with virtual events. And so complete different shift. And it's like, holy crap, have I done the right thing in the midst of this? There's still a little bit of fear. I think uh, that's part of being in business for yourself. You have to get used to that fear. And one of the things that I wanted to share with the with your listeners is for me, that epiphany moment of, hey, I'm changing the face of IT. I don't know that you have to wait till you have that moment. That moment may come. A good friend of mine is a coach here in Indianapolis, and she was in uh, healthcare and was kind of the liaison between the technical group and the practitioners. We called it a translator. She started a coaching business, and what she set out to do is work with women to help them grow in their career. What she learned very quickly is the majority of her clients are men. And the majority of those are in IT because she learned to relate to IT. These people are drawn to her as a coach because she's got that skill set, that empathy for what they went through. And so her business, although, you know, she still coaches women as well, but the majority is with men. So I think it's great to have that epiphany and that focus, but you also have to be open to where you're business is leading you and guiding you sometimes. Yeah. 
I know our listeners can't always, you know, see me. This is a podcast. And it's all audio. But during that whole time, I was nodding my head and going, yep, I 100% agree with all those things because your target market changes or the people you are looking to serve and help changes as, yeah. as, you, as you begin coaching or whatever stages that our, our listeners or new coaches begin, begin coaching. But I think one of the big things, and we talked about this before we hit the record button about just the whole speaking space, especially mm-hmm. during this COVID time. But so many of our listeners probably have heard me say this is that there's coaches and then there's business leaders. And sometimes those are the same people mm-hmm. and sometimes they're different. Oh, but yeah. as business leaders, we have to be able to adapt and pivot to whatever the market's going and making sure you're keeping in mind your values and who the people you want to serve are and serving your own strengths as a coach. But yeah. also it's like you mentioned, the speaking, all the speaking opportunities just disappeared and now they're coming back. And now we're having to learn all these skills about doing conferences virtually and speaking yes. virtually and making sure we're engaging. Like everybody's learning new skills at the same time, but it's so much of those pivot points and switching gears a little bit. And that's kind of where I wanted to go in this part of the conversation of you released the book this year. Was that yes. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So two kind of questions here is first, I wanted you to tell us about your new book. But the second part is, is that this is not the first book that you wrote. Correct. So you were writing books on top of a full-time job and releasing those. So I want to help us and our listeners understand about just the nitty gritty about <laughs> writing a book, writing a book while full time and then releasing it. Cause I'm sure a lot of them have lots of questions and mm-hmm. are wanting to do that. I'll talk about the new book here in a minute, but working full time and writing a book, it's a lot of work. I tell you what I used to do, I still do in fact, is I was up by 5.15 every morning and by 5.45, I'm at my desk writing. And that's a discipline that it takes. For me, starting the day that way made a lot of sense because you never know especially when you're working full-time. Myself, I was an executive at a technology company. Uh, You never know what the day is going to bring and you never know when the day is going to end. So doing it at the beginning of the day kind of gets it quote unquote out of the way. And so doing it that way for me was perfect. And I tell you, if uh, any of the listeners out there are interested in writing a book and going through that process, I highly, highly, highly recommend the book, You Must Write a Book. That's the title of it. It's by Honor A. Quarter, And she talks about in there uh, the various reasons why you must write a book. And then once you've decided that that's what you want to do, she takes you through a framework. Uh, imagine that, an IT guy that needs a framework to follow, right? And it works. So I followed her framework to a T. She recommends, and this is what I've done, I've used the independent publishing path. So mm-hmm. that means you're doing all the work yourself. Mm. You're hiring an editor, you're hiring a cover designer, you're hiring a proofreader, all those things that go into it, uh, you're doing. And one of the reasons I did that was I wanted uh, to learn the business and that forces you to learn the business to understand it. But also, honestly, I wanted full creative control over it, right? These were my ideas and I wanted to get them out and get them out on paper. That was the route I took. The first one is called Amplify Your Value, Leading IT with Strategic Vision. And it's really how to align the business and information technology to really drive the business forward. And yeah, there's some technology stuff in there, but it's really a leadership book underneath the covers. And I mean, it was a journey to get that done. I think it took about nine months from start to finish to get that one put together. And that's with a lot of the content 
I drew from blogs that I had already written. So while it was fresh content, I didn't have to think up the ideas. And so I think that made the process a little bit quicker. This book that has just come out is called Amplify Your Job Search, Strategies for Finding Your Dream Job. Uh, And you can tell my brand is kind of Amplify. That's stuck with me. Even my coaching is uh, Amplify Your Career. Um, is what I call my coaching uh, work. So this book, Amplify Your Job Search, is not the book that I started to write in 2020. I had started another book as kind of a follow-up to the first one, but very early in March, I saw what uh, this pandemic was going to do to people's jobs, and I realized that there were so many people that were going to be in transition and probably maybe even in transition for the first time and have no idea how to start, how to approach it, what to do, and they were going to be lost. And so on March 16th, I went back and looked this up. On March 16th, I wrote the first words on this book uh, and it came out on August 24th. So wow. man, I was cranking. Yeah. I was absolutely cranking. You know, my books aren't war and peace. They're 40,000 words, not not hundreds of thousands. So, you know, you divide that up on how many words do you have to write a day to, to get that out. It's a little bit easier to bite off. But I really felt strongly that this book, this message in this book, so many people were going to need it because they were going to be impacted by COVID. Uh, so I really felt passionately about getting this one done and out and in people's hands as we rolled into, into Q4. So that was kind of my target that I had set for that. I love this idea. So thank you so much for coming on and and sharing this, but it's so important that it's to get it done. And it's, and for many people and as for our listeners too, it's about how can we best be in a position to serve the people that we are looking to help? I'm sure you were cranking out those words, waking up at 5.30 some days and writing probably even more. And it's so much of get this work and get these types of messages out to people. One, because I feel like our roles as coaches, is much more than just that. We have to be more, we have to be doing more. And that's just the start, right? It's the start of, of changing the face of IT of like, here's the path. But after we kind of raise the signal and tell everybody, hey, it doesn't have to be this way or here can be the different types of things. And there is a path to moving forward. It's now about how can we put people in a position to do that? Yeah. And exactly. thanks so much for releasing that, but sharing a little bit more about just the book writing process itself. Cause I'm sure it wasn't easy. Switching kind of back to the business part, one of the questions that I always love to ask for all of our guests, and it's something that's become one of my more recent favorites, is what would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you've had in starting your coaching and speaking and writing business? But more so than that, what have you had to sacrifice? Or as one of our other guests mentioned, trade-off in starting this business? Wow. So I'd say the the challenge in just about every business I can think of is uh, finding that next client, finding that next customer. You know, especially in a, in a coaching business where likely you're in it by yourself for the most part, I'd say. And so when you're coaching, you're not selling. And when you're selling, you're not coaching, right? So there's a trade-off of a sense right there. That's probably the biggest challenge. But what we have had to sacrifice and I'll make it I'll make it personal is my income is dramatically different than it was this time last year 
dramatically. So we have found ways to do without some of the things, some of the luxuries that we were afforded by having the salary that I was making as an executive in a technology company. And so we've changed our lifestyle and that's okay. We both, my wife and I both went into this knowing we were going to have to do that. And those are the things that we've had to sacrifice. I'm sure that a lot of people who are listening right now are thinking about having those discussions with their spouse. If it would be okay, would you mind if I dived in there deeper and like... Oh, sure. Sure. No, that'd be great. How did that conversation look? How did you guys talk about it? Or what were the, some of the biggest things that if you were to tell somebody else to be doing this, like what are the questions or things they need to be looking out for? These were conversations that I'd say were six to nine months of conversations. And it really started with me describing the joy that I was getting out of the writing and mentoring people, coaching people, all as a side gig at that time, but just the sheer joy that I was getting out of it. And so she could see that. And the first of the year, we started talking about, well, you know, uh, in a couple years, you can do that right? We'll be in a position where you can go do that. And that was our plan at the beginning of the year. Uh, but yet I was finding myself more and more frustrated mm-hmm. in the day-to-day job because where my passions were in this other side, right? It just, that was feeding all the things in me, getting joy out of my work. Not that the other wasn't fun and exciting. It was, don't get me wrong, but you know, there's a lot to be said for being in control of your own schedule to a large degree. And I think in 2019, we went back and looked, I was on an airplane 32 weeks out of the year. It was fun. It was exciting, but that's just not where I wanted to be. So anyway, we started having these conversations and I'd encourage your listeners who are thinking about this is to have the conversations early and often. We'd talk for five or 10 minutes And then, you know, we'd go on about our day. Other times we'd talk for two or three hours about it, just depending on where we were in each of our own emotional cycles about it. But, you know, I took advantage, if you will, of this perfect storm called COVID-19 and what was happening in industry and what was happening in our company and really sat down with my wife and said, look, I think the time is now. I think we need to do this. We need to do this now. So we started making real, real plans the first part of March and, and the end of March was we were done. Yeah. First of all, Thank you for allowing me to go down that route. I very, very much appreciate and sharing everything there. And again, it comes back to the reason I love to bring people on and have wonderful guests like yourself on here and talk about this, this is that this is what it actually looks like to make these types of transition. This is what it feels like. Like it's something that means it's lots of discussions. They happen over time. And often it's a time where you're trusting your gut. Thank you for coming on and sharing that. But Also, one of the biggest things that I'm taking away from our conversation is this almost this idea of this dedication and this focus towards this mission of changing the face of IT and the diversity and getting up and writing books at at five and by 30, the consistency about that of making real changes in your life, but the people that you're looking to help and pivoting in the speaking and the writing and everything like that now. And what I 
want to say is thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing that. But if, if anybody's doing this really well, I feel like it's you in this space of changing that face, but more so it is bringing a light to it that for all intents and purposes, for a lot of people, they might not see. So I feel like the work that you're doing is very important. And just want to say thank you for that, but thanks for, so much for coming and sharing. I enjoyed our conversation. And I think one of the things that I found that I believe your listeners will find as they're building this business is I get as much out of these coaching encounters as the person I'm coaching. Mm -hmm. I learned so much from people. It almost sounds cliche to say that, but every interaction I come away learning more about people and learning more about me. You end up learning a lot about yourself going through this as well. So one of my final questions for you, it's the clean slate question. So if you were to go back, you know, for the years and months, you know, before COVID, all this kind of stuff and creating your coaching and your speaking and your writing business, would you have done differently knowing what you know now? I probably would have just done it. The environment of the last, what, six months or so that we've been dealing with with COVID showed us that we could change our lifestyle and it wasn't all that hard. I mean, it's not like, you know, we sold our house and got rid of cars. I mean, we've got the same stuff we had before. We're just, you know, we've changed the way we, we do things. Mm-hmm. We could have done that a couple years ago and made that leap a couple years ago, but was too probably too scared about what that meant. What I would say to the me two or three years ago was just do it, rip the bandaid off and do it. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> rip the bandaid off and do it. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Again, I very, very much appreciate your dedication to this work and towards taking action. But before I let you go, where can people find you and how can people get to know you? I'm all over social media, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and it's real easy. I'm J-T-O-N Indy, J-T-O-N-I-N-D-Y on all the platforms, Instagram and all that. My website is www.jeffreystun.com. So again, pretty easy. Would love to connect with the listeners. And in fact, I'd like to make an offer to the listeners and I'm going to have a landing page that is going to be www jeffreystun.com slash career coach. And if you visit that page, you can get a free download of a tool I call the personal brand amplifier, which is one of the tools I talk about in my book, Amplify Your Job Search. So you can download that free tool. And once you download that free tool, it gives you a pretty significant discount off a copy of the book. So would like to offer that to any of your listeners. Perfect. Thank you so much for that get over to that website that he mentioned. Could you mention it one more time? www.jeffreystun.com slash career coach. Awesome. Get over there. Go check that out. Say hi to Jeff. Tell him that you came from the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. And on that note, thank you again, Jeff, for coming on today. I very, very much appreciate it. And for all of our listeners today, we'll see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the How to Become a Career Coach podcast. For more information, check out becomeacareercoach.com where you can find information on this podcast, our programs, books, and endless content on, well, how to become a career coach. Also, don't be shy. If you have any questions or kind words, we'd love to hear from you. 
And you can reach me directly at philip at happentoyourcareer.com. And that's Philip with two L's. So thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.